podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast. I'm George Riley, Drew Derbyshire, the assistant editor of Love, Rug- Love Rugby League, even alongside me, and Old Trafford in the background, which uh, the teams are not playing at uh, this weekend. We're here actually just because we've been at the uh, at the press conference ahead of the two big finals down in London at the weekend, the Betfred Challenge Cup final, of course, and the 1895 uh, Cup final prior to that, the AB Sundex 1895 Cup final prior to that, Featherston and Lee going toe-to-toe. Uh, we'll come on to both of those. Kevin Brown is going to be our big guest on the big interview on the podcast this week as well. A perfect guest having played for both Wigan Warriors and the Huddersfield Giants to talk us through what to expect in the showpiece event at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Prior to that... Uh, let's talk about the weekend that has gone. Where were you? What, what did, which games did you go to, Drew, this weekend? Uh, I was at Warrington Saints on Thursday and then Salford, Castleford on, on the Friday. On Thursday, I was very impressed with Warrington. Uh, I know they, they lost 12-10 uh, against St. Helens, but that was the best performance that I've seen from Daryl Powell's side in weeks, or if not the season so far. Um, I thought they really challenged Saints. But what I did realise was, that will say, Saints do look beatable mm. um, and which we've probably not seen too many times in the last two or three years uh, I think that the, the missing Lewis Dodd in the halves uh, and, and I think that's obvious to see uh, but there's still a phenomenal outfit uh, Iggy Parsi in, in the front row when he comes off the bench he's making a lot of difference for, for St Helens I'd probably say he's he's the informed front rower in, in Super League right now uh, but Warrington can, can take a lot away from it uh, I thought uh, Gareth Widdick was very good at fullback. Uh, I, I had raised eyebrows before the game when I seen the team sheet. I saw, seen he was at fullback. I've not seen him play fullback much for Warrington, and I thought, well, could Saints possibly exploit him? But he, he stood up to the test very well. And I actually prefer prefer Gareth Widdick being at fullback with Steph Ratchford in the halves. I think Ratchford's a better organiser than what Widdick is. Do you think um, he'll be there next season, Widdick? No, I can't. I can't see him <laughs> being there. Being there next season, I think he's on high wages and. Mm. A, I think a lot's been made over the last two or three years that he's he's been in this country. That obviously he's, he's got family in his adopted home in Australia, if you like. So I think he'll he will return home at the end of the season when his contract uh, expires. They've just announced the signings of Gil Dudson and Sam Cassiano for next season from Catalan. They'll obviously pr- provide a, a massive boost. He likes a big Darryl pack, Powell's doesn't he, Daryl Powell? And he's but, he's already making his moves. And, and, a big pack is probably the opposite of what they've got at the minute. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's pretty well known that Warrington have got one of one of the smaller packs in Super League this season, and and obviously Darrell wants to wants to change that, and they'll be great additions. I I think I, I think the the Dragons will be gutted that both both front rowers are leaving. I know, I know they're getting on a little bit age wise, but they've still got a, a lot to offer, and they're still probably two of the top ten, top fifteen props in the competition. Uh, and then just going on to to Friday's game. Salford, back-to-back wins for, for Paul Rowley's side. I, I was impressed with the way they played. Both teams kind of struggled to keep the ball at times. Yeah. It was a little bit clunky in attack, uh, a lot of drop balls, and it, it kind of felt like the game was stop-start, especially in, in the first half. But Salford uh, did enough to, to pull away in the second half. I, 
I wasn't really that impressed with Castleford. Uh, I thought Salford got on top of them through the middle right uh, very easily, uh, and and the points went to to the Red Devils. It seems like we mention him every week, Josh. But Callum Watkins stood up to the test again in the back row. Looked great again, didn't he? He wants to play for yeah. England at the World Cup. I don't know if he'll be in the back row or, or in centre, but he's he's doing a phenomenal job. I was impressed with Morgan Escari. He was uh, filling the void at fullback left by Ryan Bradley. Yeah, I'm right. Piece with, <laughs> yeah. with Ryan Bradley. That's a shameless plug that we can. Well, Ryan Briley just felt his hamstring go. He said he felt it quite tight during the week, but he thought he'd still be all right to play. And he was a bit actually surprised when he did his fitness test stroke warm-up that it wasn't loosening. So he just actually thought, there's no point because we're not playing next week, so I'll give myself a couple of weeks off. Although he looks like he's had an operation, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he has. He's, he's, he's had his operation tights on. Um, so, yeah, so Escarade came in and, yeah, he was, he was great. I mean, two, two razor-sharp options there. Yeah, when you look at Salford's Outside backs, Tim Lafay, he's, he's getting better with every single game he plays. Oh. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Ken Seo, possibly the most underrated winger in Super League. I know a lot of people go on about Tom Johnston and Tommy Makington at times, and that's probably because they're English and, and fans think from a point of view from playing for England, etc. But Ken Seo, for, for me, in these couple of years, he's, he's been a soft, he's been absolutely fantastic. He's, he's great to watch, he's great coming out of the yard. to watch. I, I crammed them both in back to back on Saturday. I went to uh, to my local, I guess my local club, adopted local club, uh, Swinton, uh, which I can I can almost jog down to. It's so close to, to see Cornwall again um, come up short or come up very short in their bid for a first victory in, in Betfred League One. And then went straight over for the half five kickoff as, uh, as Featherstone edged past Whitehaven 78 points to nil <laughs> um, in one of those games where literally every time they got the ball it looked like well they did score pretty much every time they got the ball uh, just a couple of observations from first of all uh, the Cornwall game at, at, at Swinton it just showed me uh, and showed anyone I think just what a huge challenge it is for Cornwall it's not just about getting better as a club but the logistical challenges, you know, they didn't have a physio there. I think they had to borrow the assistant physio from Huddersfield. Um, they didn't really have any staff. Neil Kelly was doing everything himself. He was holding up the, the numbers for the replacement boards. He was doing the, the warm-ups, the drills. It was literally a one-man show. Um, their talisman, Anthony Malali, didn't make it up because he had a clash in his diary. He's opening up a new business venture. He's got this sauna on the, 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 on the hilltops in, in Cornwall. So he was doing that instead of playing. And actually, you know what? You can't really say you shouldn't be playing rugby league because well, he's, well, ultimately he's part work commitment. Yeah, that's his work commitment so he couldn't play another guy pulled his hamstring in the hotel on the morning of the match don't know what he was doing but somehow he's just rung up his boss and said I can't play boss I pulled my hamstring so that's the kind of game it was um, they had a young lad who, who was great who, who came in on loan I'm going to forget his name now but he scored two and playing in the half from Hull KR on loan he turned up in a Hull KR tracksuit because there wasn't enough kit to go around. Some of the other Cornwall players were wearing a different shade of yellow because they had, didn't have enough socks because all the players were cutting off the socks after a match. And they're like, can you stop cutting your socks, please? We don't have enough to go around. This is the kind of challenge that they've got. And it's not just on the pitch. Again, they came up short. They shipped 50. They scored. I do, I, yeah, I do, I do feel sorry for them because you're struggling for a player pool already. And we've already seen in the last two, three, four weeks that... They start signing players on loan from Wigan, from Leeds, from OKR, from wherever. So these players ultimately are coming from the Heartlands anyway to ex um, to help an expansion club out. And, and 
initially when we, we heard about all the hype with Cornwall was that they're putting a massive emphasis on producing local talent, local players, and it just doesn't seem like there's an appetite for it so far. But the problem is that the players, the, the local players they're getting in are local rugby union players, so they're learning to play league on the job, and you can see that they, you know, there's, there's glaring things they just can't do, like defending from the base of the scrum, the amount of op opponents who've just scored from a scrum because they don't know how to line up. So it's a massive, massive challenge for Neil Kelly, and I really do feel for him. Uh, just a word on, on Featherstone, we're going to talk about them and, and Lee in the, the final uh, down south in a sec, but you know they were, they were phenomenal again. It was Jonathan Ford's debut in Featherstone Colours. He was on the bench, he was brought on just before half-time when the game was already done. I think they were 40-odd up by then. So a really easy game to come into. He played left centre and he was blowing a little bit and then he went into the halves and they shuffled it around. He looked good. It's, what I liked about that, he was yelling at his new teammates. That's what I like to see in a halfback. He's pointing. You know, he's only met these guys for two days. He doesn't know the plays yet. And he's still barking instructions. This is where I want you. This is what I want you to do. You know what? That's what I want to see in a halfback. Yeah, no, I, I'm a massive Jonathan Ford fan. I, I love watching him. I've loved watching him over the years for, for Toulouse. And what strikes me most is he's a, he's a six foot four halfback. You never ever see a six foot four halfback apart from Jonathan Ford. Uh, no, he's, he's going to be an, an amazing addition to, to, to Featherston. He's linking up with his, his best mate, Matt Carella, there. He, he already seems happy, though. Matt Carella seems buzzing to, to be at Featherston every week. He's he's on fire as well. He's he's regathered his form that he had at Toulouse. He's showing it for Featherston now. But Featherston, the, the stat throughout the team, there's not just one or two players, is it? It's, it's 1 to 17 every week that, that does the job for. for Featherston and that's why they're getting wins like 16-0, 17-0, 78 yeah. uh, week in, week out. But I think this weekend against Leeds are the massive test for them. Yeah, let's have a look at that briefly. Uh, Kevin Brown is the big interview on the Love Rugby League podcast coming up very, very shortly. A man who has played with distinction uh, for both sides. So uh, stay tuned for his thoughts. Uh, but a word on that, a word on that doubleheader. We're, we're talking about Featherston and Leeds first. So a word on that first. I would probably... I'm biased because I see Featherston play every week, but I'd probably make Featherston slight favourites, would you agree? Yeah, I, I would put Featherston as, as slight favourites. Whoever's higher in the league are going to be favourites, yeah. there's, there's no doubt about it, and, and that's Featherston. Uh, I'm going to be slightly biased because Lee's local to, to me as well, so we have got two, two slight yeah. biases there, George. But no, I, I think it'll be a great game, and, and to be honest, I think this game has the, the ingredients to be a better game than the actual I Challenge agree. Cup I final. Agree. There's a lot more spice, there's a lot more hatred between the teams, but there's also a mutual respect there as well between the supporters and, and the coaches as well. So it's a it, the, the Lee Fev rivalry is it, it's only been built up this season in the championship, but I'm I'm fully engrossed in it. I'm not I'm not even a fan of either club, but I'm I'm fully engrossed in it and when each each club makes a signing then I'm I'm intrigued to, yeah. to see what's coming number, next. Yeah. The other signing is for the other team. It, it's uh, it's very intriguing and it's it's good to watch from uh, from an outsider's point of view, but uh, I think Featherstone would be favourites, but I'll back Lee to win because I know you're going to say that. <laughs> I, I think Featherstone will win from what I've seen. I, I just think they look far, far too strong uh, this season and they brought in a head coach in Brian McDermott purely for these games. Brian has been brought in to win the big games, to win four games against Lee, two in the league and the two finals albeit okay they didn't know that these two were going to meet in this final but it was it was odds on that's what he's been brought in for and I think that's what he'll do uh, the other one of course is is the Challenge Cup final if we say Featherstone slight favourites I think we're going to big favourites for this one against Huddersfield 
yeah, you, you've got to you've got to go with Wigan for for this game. They've been there before. They've done it. Although not a lot of this current Wigan squad have, have actually played in a Charles Cup final before. I think there's only Ian Thornley and Liam Farrell. Uh, who are part of the current Wigan squad who last won it with the Warriors in 2013. Obviously, Thornley's been at OKR, uh, I think he's been at Catalan, he's, he's spent uh, a couple of years at least since. Um, but I think Wigan are hungry for it. I think if they play anything like they did against in the semi final against St Helens, I think Huddersfield will struggle to deal with them. But saying that, if I, uh, let's rewind two weeks. Huddersfield came out on top in, in Super, League, Super League against Wigan, albeit against uh, a slightly depleted Wigan squad. Uh, but I think again, this this game, it's got all the ingredients to to be a Challenge Cup classic. We could be looking back on this game in years to come, thinking, remember when Wigan just beat Huddersfield by a point, or or vice versa. I think I think it's going to be a great spectacle, and, and there's going to be two great games on show. And I, I would just advise any fans or any neutrals who are who are thinking about going to to get on down to to London, go to a, a new ground. It, this might be the only the only time ever in. Uh, in rugby league, that uh, a Challenge Cup finals played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Let's get down, let's pack it out, uh, and let's enjoy two magnificent games of rugby. Yeah, really looking forward to it. On that, just but speak. don't don't use the uh, promo code on the RFL website. <laughs> no, that's another. That's a discussion for another day. <laughs> uh, just talking to Joey Leilua at Featherstone, and I asked him how, how much he's looking forward to playing at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and asked him if he was a, a football slash soccer fan, and he asked me who played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's a Man City fan, he says, but he also didn't know that they won, <laughs> they won the Premier League title of the weekend. Um, we are looking forward to the big doubleheader, uh, loads of content online uh, to you know, make sure you go to Love Rugby League throughout the week. Uh, we've been here doing interviews with, it, with everyone, really, uh, from all the sides involved, uh, including Kevin Brown, who has played for both the Wigan Warriors and Huddersfield Giants, and he is this week's big interview. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Well, welcome to the big interview part of the Love Rugby League podcast, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names, a Betfred Challenge Cup final special uh, with a man who has played with distinction for both of the finalists and has actually appeared in Four finals for four different teams. How many of those did you win, Kevin Brown? <laughs> you know the answer to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not a good answer. It's zero, unfortunately. No, but you've uh, you've got great experience in this cup, cup competition. And I know through knowing you, regardless of those, those final experiences, uh, that it's a competition you, you, like most people in rugby league, you absolutely adore. Oh yeah, like don't get me wrong, that them finals that uh, I didn't win, they, they all that mean a, a massive part of or a massive lot to me. But they were a big part of my life, a part of my rugby career. Um, doing it in all different circumstances. When we did it at Wigan in two thousand and four, I think it was. Um, I, it almost felt like that was the way it was being a rugby player. It was my first proper year in the team. Uh, we played St. Helens, it was sold out at Cardiff. It was just magnificent. Uh, I scored a try in front of the Wigan end. Um, I didn't know then it was going to get you back in the day where you could go back a couple of players and Craig Smith had knocked on a couple of players earlier. <laughs> so it got chalked off, but I still felt that feeling. And, and there is no better feeling as an 18-year-old, you know, running half the field and, and scoring it on, on you know, the, the history behind the cup is, is so good. And then 
you know, we took me five years to get back there with Huddersfield and Huddersfield hadn't been there for, you know, even longer. I think it was 50 years or something. So yeah. it took 28,000 fans to, to um, I think it was Wembley actually, yeah. And, and that was, you know, a, a great build-up and I got injured after 10 minutes. I needed knee surgery after that one. So that was disappointing, uh, but but still great memories, you know, winning the semi-final and having that, you know, that beer with the lads in the changing room, knowing that you're going to Wembley and the, the build-up and, and everything was was great. Obviously, the result on the day was was poor and then, you know, I had to work even harder to get back there again in, in well, it was seven years later with, with Warrington and, I took the curse with me to there as well, and we got beat by Catalans, and then, yeah, moved on to Salford, and obviously uh, got beat again at, at, at Wembley behind closed doors. So at least no one could boo me that day. But no, all all fantastic memories, George, and you know I, I always used to absolutely love playing in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, so I'm guessing you, you've not been invited by the Wigan or Huddersfield as guest of honour because of that hoodoo that you bring with you bring with you. <laughs> No, no, I've not. Uh, well, I have actually. I've been invited by Wigan. Uh, How last are you? So um, that might mean they get beat, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I, I can't lose this weekend, can I? I've, I've played at both clubs. We've got mates in both camps. So whoever wins that game, I'll be extremely happy for. And um, you know, I'll have a smile on my face for once at a cup final. It, it's funny, isn't it? We kind of every year we sit down and have these conversations and you know often it can be tedious and boring we were both at the press launch for this event during the week and I'm sure all the players and the coaches were being asked the same things but you know what I actually don't mind it because yes we talk about it every year what makes it so special you know what are those moments like well it's exciting and you know this is a sport in rugby league where there's not that much up for grabs there's a grand final and there's a Challenge Cup final. And if you're fortunate enough to experience that, like you have been on those four occasions, OK, it didn't work out. You know, that's what you're in the game for. And they are special moments, aren't they? And they do get your, your emotions going and your goosebumps going. So, you know, so what if we have to talk about it all the time? It's, you know, it's, it's what makes it so, so good and so special. It, it's the history for me, George, behind it. It's one thing that we've definitely got over the NRL, um, you know, We've got the grand final and I've played in the grand final and that's great. Obviously, the best teams win the grand finals, but there's sort of a romance around the Challenge Cup where anyone can actually get there and anyone can win it. We've seen it's not always the best players and the best teams who win the Challenge Cup. Sometimes a team will just string four or five good performances together and win the Cup like Catalans did in 2017. And um, that that's what we've got. And, and that's why, you know, when you stand there as a player, you've been watching it every rugby league player, you know, has a dream of playing in the Challenge Cup final because that's been the history. You know, the grand final's only been there, you know, it's building that history, but it's been there a short period in terms of, you know, history in, in the long term. But, you know, standing there singing a bye with me and, and the national anthem, there's, there's no better feeling. Having your chairman walking you out, it's a difference. And I've just loved every minute of, you know, even, even the games where you're playing against the amateur sides, when you used to play against the amateur sides and, you know, the, the drama around that when they score a try, they, they're celebrating like they've won the cup. So, <laughs> from, you know, I watched the Army versus the Navy this year and, and I was lucky enough to work on that one. And it was just the, the storylines along the way to get to this pinnacle point are just fabulous. Yeah. Now, saying, you know, covering the early rounds and Lock Lane and, uh, you know, everyone just, just turning up and having a, you know, can of lager on the side of the pitch and then going their separate ways to talk about it afterwards. Absolutely proper proper grassroots sport and it you know it's that journey and having the the carrot at the end of it you, you said anyone you know on the day could, could win this one we're going to big favorites 
uh, we're going to huge favourites this year. And speaking to some of the Huddersfield guys, speaking to Ian Watson, he's kind of drummed into his players not... What did he say to me earlier in the week? You know, not to get too distracted by what Wigan can do and what, what they're there for, because if they do that, they're, they're not going to have a chance. It's purely about doing what, what they do to the best uh, of their ability to give themselves that chance. Are you able to be that single-minded and, and, and focus purely on, on your job with everything else that's going around you on Cup Final Day? Well, well that's, the, that's the challenge. Um, there's all sorts going on. You know, the... the... It's, it's a completely different occasion than, than any other. The travel and getting your families down there and getting the fans and everything, it's just completely different. But I'm, I don't buy into the fact that they're wigging a massive favourites. I just no. don't. No, I, I don't see them as massive favourites. I really don't. I see them as favourites, just. But uh, if both sides turn up with a foot... I, I think the one thing that I will say is if there are injury concerns and people don't play, especially in the halfbacks, Theo and Ollie Russell, if they don't play, then, you know, they're, they're massive underdogs. But if they get on the field and play to their best, if both teams play to the best, I don't know who wins. That's that's how close I think it is. Um, well, surely if both teams play to the best, Wigan win, because Wigan at the top of the game, as they've proven so far this year, are better than Huddersfield at the top of their game, are they not? Uh, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think Huddersfield are slowly building and, and have gone under the radar a little bit. Look, Jay Fields you know, got an awful lot of attention and, and credit and right, rightfully so. But if they can, you know, shut him down, um, I thought Wigan was sensational for 40 minutes, but then quite poor for the next 30, and they sort of held on. And the actual winning try by Liam Marshall came from the Saints era against the runner player. So as good as they were for the first 40, I didn't think it was the complete performance. Yeah, they beat St. Helens and St. Helens were a little bit busted that day. Well, they were quite a lot busted, weren't they? Doddy didn't play and, and Lomax with a torn bicep, a recent torn bicep. So I, I don't know, George. I, I do believe that we're going to favourites, but I just don't buy into the fact that it's overwhelming favourites. And, you know, if they play poor, they can still win because they can't. They need to play to the best. And, and hopefully that's good enough for Wigan. But I think it's really, really close, this one. I really do. I was going to ask you about the, you know, the burden of the favourites tag and how much you can you know, play a part. I'm trying to think how many of those four finals you had, you would have been favourites. Presumably Warrington, you were probably marginal favourites against Catalan. Uh, yeah, we, we, well, we were quite heavy favourites against were you? Catalan, okay. yeah. And um, I think we were favourites against Warrington in 2009 for Huddersfield. Right. Uh, we, we, we were flying that year. Obviously, Brett Hodgson was the man of steel that year. Uh, we, we had about five or six in the English squad, myself, Luke Robinson, Sean Lund, Earl Crabtree. Leroy, Darrell Griffin, Every, everyone seemed to play well that year, Paul Fatawira. But yeah, just things happen on the day and your stars don't align. And, you know, for me, it didn't happen that day in, in 2000. I can't remember which year it was now. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, my knee, my knee went after 10 minutes and it, it affected the team because you don't carry a halfback on the bench. And Brett Hodgson went to, to halfback and Leroy Kudjo went to fullback. But it completely knocked us out because what? we were so good at is getting Brett some space out the back and yeah. that, that just didn't happen. And things like that, George, can, can happen in, in the big games or on these one-off occasions. And that's why, you know, it, it's it's so good to watch and so exciting to, to go and, and be a fan for me. Uh, speaking of injured halfbacks, obviously doubt over Ollie Russell, do you think Will Price is now available? Do you think he'll play? Ian Watson was saying he's looked absolutely outstanding in uh, back in training during the week. Well, yeah, the, the difference with Pricey being out for so long and, and most others is it's a ban, isn't it? So he's been able to get, it's almost a pre-season what he's done and 
you know, whenever I've missed games through being injured, it can take you a, a good month to get back up to speed. But Will's very fit. If anything, he might even come back better than he was and he was flying when he went out. I don't I don't know where you put him if they're all fit. I, I don't think he starts in the 13. I think Tuilol here, he's been, you know, arguably the best player behind Jayfield this year consistently. Uh, and, and then Theo Farge and Ollie Russell, they just seem to work well together with, you know, that triangle of Danny Levi and, and Tuet. Uh, the, the, it just seems well balanced. So you throw Will in there, it, it could completely unsettle it. But where I think Will would be such a weapon is you throw him on the bench. Mm. And, you know, if the game's going, you know, your way or if it's close, 60 minutes in, you throw him on. He's a big game player. He's, he's, he's an X-factor player, isn't he? He'll do something. Uh, he won't have a quiet game where the game passes him by. He's You, you can just see him going there and blowing it apart. M- my worry is um, Theo or Ollie don't make it and they throw Will Price in and he tries to do a little bit too much too soon. Um, mm. And that burden of responsibility, he's not sort of built his way in with, it, with being out for eight weeks and um, I think if Huddersfield are to win, that stability and that core group that have got them going with Chris Hill and um, Luke Yates in the pack, and then you just throw Will Price anywhere uh, when, when people get tired. They've sort of been doing that role with Aston Goulding, but you know, with no disrespect to Aston, he's, he's, this lad is going to be special, and he is special, Will Price. So he's electric, and I'm sure the Huddersfield fans will, will be really excited about him being back. Uh, you know what? I completely agree with, with what you just said there about about kind of a loose cannon on the bench. It, where he is now, and although we, you know, I say we, us in the media have probably hyped him up so much that he's a superstar already, and he's, he, he, you know, he isn't in terms of what he's done. It, what I'm seeing there uh, is a Danny Maguire in 2003. Do you remember when he came off the bench in that semi for Leeds, uh, and he, it was at Huddersfield actually, and he rescued that game that had already gone against Saints, got Leeds yeah. to the final. That There's kind of, only a certain number like of players who can do that in the George. And, yeah. and and Danny was one of them when he was coming through. Will Price is definitely one of them. But I completely agree. He's, he's not the finished product. He's, he's a youngster who is super, super talented. And he's an asset. Uh, can he play 80 minutes and control a side? I'm not sure against the great side in Wigan. Can he blow the game apart after, you know, 50, 60 minutes? Definitely. Uh, can I ask you about the, the two head coaches, two I'd say in inverted commas, youngish coaches in terms of their, you know, their, their experience and where they are in the game. And but you, you said the phrase under the radar. I'd, I'd say that they'd probably both come under that list. I had Chris Hill on this podcast a month or so ago, and he was saying, Ian Watson, he, he's good enough to coach in the NRL. He, he is that good. And in terms of Matt P, and I don't know how, how, how well you know them both. You know, he's got this brilliant, this really good-looking kind of triumvirate, hasn't he, of, of O'Loughlin and and Breers alongside him, which seems to be really working for Wigan. Yeah, well, both completely different, aren't they? Um, you know, yeah, they have gone under the radar, I think, in the public, but what Matty Peach done at Wigan, um, you know, he's been making loud noises for a long time. And, and incidentally, when he left and went to sale, you know, things started to go a little bit wayward at Wigan. Um, the junior development didn't happen quite as good. Um, and then he went back and it was almost instantly you know, things started looking good. And then when he got the coaching job, it's been the same. It's, you know, when, when you talk about culture, and that's a word that's been used a lot around Wigan and Matty Pete this year, normally culture takes quite a bit of time to, to get right and, and weed the bad eggs out and, you know, 
find a way that everyone fits into being their own identity, but still fitting part of that culture. But it's happened overnight, and it's not just the culture. I think the attacking prowess that they that they pose now, and and Jay Fields obviously at the the art of that, the way he's played and transformed Jay Field this year and collectively. Matt, Matty Pete is doing an unbelievable job. I think the dynamic works great with, with Libriers and Lockers. They're attacking, um, like kicking from scrums and stuff that you just didn't see. It was almost boring last year watching Wigan play. Um, but but this year, they're the, the great to watch. They're completely different, but they've still got that resilience in, in defence as well. So it's a great balance. And then Watto, I know, I know Watto very well. And you know, I spoke to him yesterday and I said, what have you got up your sleeve? Because I know you've got something. And he just smiled and he will have you know, the trick players that he brings and and it gives you confidence because he, he doesn't say wet like if this works, it's it's when it works and it and he builds this story and how it's gonna work and how you're gonna terrorize defenses and and how you're gonna shut Jay Field down. Um and he and he builds it and, and you get complete buy-in from your players and complete confidence. And and you know, a lot of the sides that Ian Watson coaches, they punch above the weight. Well, we did that at Salford. We punched above our weight and we were a pass off beating Leeds in that cup final. Um, I put so this yeah. on for you, by the way, this, this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, I thought so. <laughs> um, but, but no, both terrific coaches, completely different coaches, uh, but doing fantastic jobs. And, who, and whoever gets that victory, uh, it'll just add to the storyline of Ian Watson going there and turning others feel around and getting the first trophy in a long, long time or you know, Matty Pete went there and, and instantly getting success. So both great stories. You know what, you, you, you're clearly quite good or you're getting quite good at this media stuff because you've now got me believing that this is going to be a, a Challenge Cup classic just by listening to... No, to but your, I believe it. I'm not, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hype the game or, or I actually believe it. I cannot wait for two of all here in the, in the battle between Jay Field. I can't wait. I, if they both play well, look, Jay Field is the best runner of the ball by an absolute mile in the competition. But two, he's got a kicking game, a passing game. It creates space for his teammates and he can run the ball. So there's, so there's a massive, whoever wins that battle, uh, and I'm not sure if they both play to their absolute best, I'm not sure who the best player is on the day. Mm. Uh, just just one final one of that. I want to ask you about another one of your former clubs, Lee, who played beforehand against, against Featherstone in the 1895 Cup final. Just one on Lola here. Have you been surprised by just how good he has been? Uh, you know, we mentioned Leeds in passing. You know, people forget he, he came to the Rhinos and, you know, this is probably more of an indictment of Leeds at the time, but did nothing and, yeah, and left. Uh, well, that's pro- it's, it's probably another huge credit to Ian Watson yeah. because I think the one thing that everyone can see with Tuilola here is he's playing happy. He's, he's got a smile on his face. And what um, what else done? He took the shackles off him, whether that was by accident or you know through intent with him playing at, at fullback. But it just looks like he doesn't have to worry about organising, controlling his edge. He can float around and just play. It just looks like he's playing a game of touch and passing the garden uh, the way he's playing, and he's just fitting into that side fantastically well because they are a structured side, but they do play some really good attacking style stuff. So yeah. I, th- I think full credit to Tui for taking a lot of stick and coming out of the other side because we see a lot of imports, you know, when you go to a big club like Leeds or Wigan or Hulling it and it doesn't start well. Normally, it's it, it's the start of the end and they end up back or retired or it doesn't normally transform into being the best player in the league. And 
you know what, Jay feels similar, isn't it? Because he had a shocker last year and he's come out. I did not expect him to be that sort of player. I don't know how many player of the months he's won, but I'm pretty sure his shelf's getting full now. He's just picked up another this week, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Let, let's spend a couple of minutes talking about the, the 1895 Cup final prior to that. Featherstone Lee, the two best sides uh, in the Championship. You've been covering the Championship on on Premier Sports this year. So you'll have seen a lot. I've seen every match of Featherstone working working for the club as I have been. You know what? I'm really looking forward to this because Featherstone have just been absolutely caning everyone and and Lee have seemed to have been gathering momentum and clicking. They've added a superstar winger in Blake Ferguson who came in and scored four on his, his debut. I mean, this could be as good as the game we've just been talking about. It could be better. Uh, yeah. I, I was at the game uh, round two uh, when Featherstone... No, it was a, it was mud bath really. And I was sat behind you. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in that nice warm box. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, but but no, Lee and Fev since round two, uh, they've completely changed the size, haven't they? The the spines changed, and at Featherstone, and and the amount of changes at Lee's isn't worth talking about. So I don't know who wins that game, George. I really don't. After seeing them both, you. you I think if both them sides jumped up to Super League, I don't think they'd be in the bottom two. Um, I don't know where they'd be, but I definitely see them at the minute being better than Toulouse and Wakefield, the way they're playing. Like you say, when you add someone like Blake Ferguson and you, you're scratching your head, where do you put him? Because of Inu and Chamberlain and, and Nene McDonald and Keenan Brandt, they're playing so well anyway. And then you throw him in and he scores four tries. You, you, you can't not play him. He's a superstar. But I've played against him and it's like trying to tackle a lamppost. He's <laughs> that tall and that strong. You know, Joey Leilu on the other side. There's so many fantastic um, matchups. I think Riley Jacks is one of the best halfbacks in the country, you know, playing in the championship. I've been so impressed with him when I've seen him play. Uh, and, and Jack Bussey. Jack, Jack Bussey for Featherstone. Um, I, I, every time I see him play, he's the best player on the field. Mm. Now, he doesn't get the, the headlines like Ferguson and Leilua and Jackson, these imports, but what Jack Bussey will bring at the weekend, he'll take it to, you know, Sidlow in the morning, Asiata, like like they've not had before or since round two. So the, there's head-to-heads all over, and yeah, what a fantastic game it's going to be. Um I'll just ask you about you before we uh, sign off on this week's podcast. You, you mentioned some of your media work already. I mean, you're, very, you're busier now retired than when you were playing, aren't you? Are you in, enjoying life at the moment? Yeah, oh, George, I can't complain. I'm, I'm, I'm really busy. I'm busy with my shops. I'm busy with my family. Uh, busy with a, with a rugby. Um, yeah, so one thing I'm not on is that um, rugby league roller coaster anymore of, yeah. you know, the, the bipolar nature of results. So, I'm enjoying not being part of that at the minute. Um, whether it stays like that, I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm I'm really really enjoying my life at the minute. Can't complain. Uh, but very busy and busy's good. Do you have a master plan for you know for for your second part of your life, or are you just rolling with it and in, enjoying what comes? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Just being as happy as I can uh, and spend as much time with family as I can. I think you know if I can do that, then you know I'll be an happy man, uh, and that's all I want to be. And you're keeping fit as well, although you were supposed to be running a marathon a month or so ago and you ducked out of that. I did have an excuse. I fell, didn't I? Did Ski, cut my yeah. leg. <laughs> I showed you that, didn't I? I remember I, showed, I, showed you. I was going to write a story about it and you told me not to because it was a severe injury, wasn't it? It was a severe <laughs> skiing injury that somehow didn't make yeah. the press. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's no need to make the press anyone. No, no one's bothered if I can't limp other than you when I can't run a marathon. I would have only run behind you anyway, George. Yeah, it was a good one, mate. You missed a good one. I, I just stuck in three hours 59. Don't like to talk about it. Um, <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> uh, already signed up for next year, though, so the invite is still there okay. uh, for you to join me. Um, quick couple of final points that I always ask you, whoever I interview on uh, on these, just about what, what rugby league has, has taught you, just kind of looking back, reflecting on, on you know, the life lessons from league. It, it is the one big thing, one big lesson that served you well in life and as a person, as a human being, you've talked about your family as well. You know, the biggest thing perhaps that, that being involved in rugby league has taught you that you've been able to take into life and has made you the person you are. Yeah, there's a few things. I think one is looking after your mates. Um, you know, whether that's on the field, off the field, when people are going through challenges like where a lot of us have done, looking after your mates and being there for your mates um, is, is one huge lesson. Um, humour, you know, having humour, always don't take yourself too seriously. I, I always love having a joke with people. And that's probably one thing I really miss, George, that the humour of the sheds, um, you know, but I get that way when Hendo and Al are taking the mick out of me, Emma and Ross at, at the Premier Truck. But yeah, so humour... Uh, looking after your mates and and just just staying grounded and 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 be a good person. That them three things, you know, I learned in rugby. You know, it's a working class sport, and you know, if you, if you all stick together and do the right thing, then most times you, you'll have a good day. Who wins then on uh, Saturday? Who are your two winners? Uh, I think Wigan just. I think the fact that Huddersfield are creaking, whether or not they play um, in the halfbacks or who they play in the halfbacks. I just think that uncertainty is never good. So Wigan, um, I think it will be close, but I fancy Wigan. And God, Feverston. <laughs> it's that close. Um, I, I'll say Feverston. So Derek Bormack was mad at me again. <laughs> uh, Kevin Brown, it's been uh, it's been great having you on. You've been great company. Always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, George. Uh, that's Kevin Brown, and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.